Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're momming today with Kevin O'Leary, and I just said I'm so excited to talk to Kevin. A, because you're Mr. Wonderful, the chairman of O'Leary Ventures, but you're a man. Thank this you. This is a podcast for women. I know that, but once in a while, you got to throw <laughs> a man into the mix. There's no question. Keep it exciting. Well, I've always believed that the three things that matter in life are men, women, and money. I named a book after that. Men, women, and yeah, okay. What else matters? Money matters these you days. You bet. Money's a big part of the family. <laughs> Listen, I got the idea to put you on this podcast because you were on the Varney and Company show on Fox Business. And you said, and I'm quoting, women um, businesses get better returns because women don't set the bar so astronomically high. Yeah, it's an interesting stat we found after... Uh, we started looking at data after seven years. My portfolio is now over 16 years old now of private firms, and about 95% of our returns have come from companies run by women. So we're trying to figure out what are they doing? Um, these are private. These are venture startups, highly risky companies. And so what are they doing that gets these outcomes uh, significantly higher than the mean, than the average? You know, hmm. we, have, we have great companies run by men, and they sometimes do very well, too. But on average, you're getting this remarkable difference. So we did some digging, and here's what I found out. If you, um, you know that old adage, you want something done, give it to a busy mother. I hear it all the time. Right? But, okay. I mean, I'm proof of that. So let's, let's extend that <laughs> to how you manage uh, a nascent startup business. You know, the first million, then the next five million, then the 50 million in sales. These are the kind of companies we're talking about. So we looked at the data. We have it all by every quarter. Mm -hmm. What did the companies run by men assume their growth rate was going to be versus what it was? Same for women. And so in the case of companies run by men, they had an average of 30% growth rates. That's what their target was. And they achieved that 65% of the time, which I thought was pretty good, or I thought so. Is a 30% growth rate um, achievable? Is that It is if you're starting up. Normal? If, you're, if you have $1 in sales and you have $2, you just had a 100% increase. Right. When you're small, you should be able to achieve that kind okay. of growth. So that's not crazy. And then we looked at the data uh, from the, the, the companies run by women. Their average growth rate was just under 15%. That was their target. But they hit it 95% of the time. Consistent. And why would that manifest itself into better economic outcomes? And so you have to dig down one more level. So, and here's the answer. If Let's say you're playing for Tom Brady on the New England Patriots when he had that remarkable run of winning the Super Bowl over and over again. Nobody on the team wanted to get traded because they all wanted to keep their Super Bowl rings. When you're on a team that consistently makes its targets, it becomes very sticky and the culture is very powerful. So you don't have a lot of attrition of staff. People stay together because they're really enjoying a winning the winning team. Winning team. So women are able to create these cultures of winning teams by lowering the bar, mm. but achieving much better economic success. So when I saw that, I just, just pre-pandemic, we, we, I, I got everybody down to South Beach, all my CEOs, and said, look, everybody, 
we, we got to listen to these women here. Look at this data. Like, why are we stretching with these testosterone targets that give us no upside? Testosterone targets. I love it. It makes no sense. Why don't you just do what the women are doing and draw down to what you can actually achieve 95% of the time? And we went from 15% pre-tax flow to 17.5%. That may not sound like a lot, but in the context of a portfolio, that's millions of dollars. And so that's a 20% increase in free cash flow. So that's the secret sauce. If, 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 you're, if you want success in small, risky startups or even any business, you make targets and set targets and manage for targets you can actually achieve. That's the secret of what women have done in business. Do they seem to gravitate towards certain types of businesses? That's what I thought, too. I thought there would be you know, mostly consumer goods. Not true. They're hmm. all over the map. I'm looking at a deal right now of a woman who's doing lithium battery technology hmm. and software. She's an engineer. Remarkable. I mean, you know, and, and she's, she's doing it for NASA and she's doing it for the Army and the Navy. I mean, you know, and I want to invest in her business because I've had so much success with other women saying, look, this is right off the screen for what I'm used to seeing, but show us what you got. And now we're negotiating valuation. How does one get in front of Kevin O'Leary? I have a lot of... Uh, Handlers. Well, no, well, no, but I have a lot of... You just go to O'LearyVentures.com. Right now, I have a really interesting mandate for venture capital. Just go to the, the North Dakota mandate. I'm looking, try to put $45 million to work in startups, or I have a whole private equity team. Um, we look at everything, and, but we're selective. You know, I'm, I'm an investor. I'm always looking. There's always companies I'm selling, and then I have to put that cash back to work. So... This is all I do all day long. Do you get to the point where you've seen it all? You Like, what is the next great thing, the next great product or invention? You know, that, now you're talking about Shark Tank. You ask, why in the world would Shark Tank go into its 15th season? Is it 15? It's 15. That's so rare in television. That never happens. It's the American dream. It's the American dream. It's, it, it, it's the it's the. You're chronicling the American dream. You're yeah. part of each family's, you know, attempt to set themselves free. That's what it is. You know, and I, I don't know what the deal is. Uh, you see it the same time I do. We don't know what they're, what's going to come through that door. And every time I see one that's a really great idea, mm. I say, why didn't I think of that? And, and so do you. You're watching it on TV. I watch Shark Tank uh, every Saturday uh, it airs Friday night, but I'm on the, you know, my Peloton in the morning on Saturday. I watch the whole show because I'm so interested to see how they edit it. I was there. Those pitches are an hour long and I see it in eight minutes. They're so good at doing it. Mm -hmm. They capture the essence of what the deal was in eight minutes. Well, and that's how you're supposed to pitch an idea, right? Be yeah, very what, direct. Go at it. There are three secrets to success because uh, I've been watching it now for 15 years you have to be able to articulate the opportunity in 90 seconds or less. Explain why this is a great idea, but in a very short period of time. Number two, you have to explain by how you're going to execute, how are you going to do it. What, what is it about you that can make this idea happen? Because after all, great ideas are a dime a dozen. Executional skills are impossible to find. Mm. And then lastly, you got to know your numbers. If you get the first two right and you don't know your numbers, you deserve to burn in hell, and I'll put you there. <laughs> how do you, I mean, like, the execution has changed so much with social media. Um, I mean, listeners can't see right now, but you, you outfitted our, our podcast studio here with, um, what do I call these? 
That's a wireless microphone <laughs> with, you're being recorded on. I've never you know, seen one in this shape. Yeah, Sorry, I just touched it. It's very it powerful too. Up. The point is, you know, social media is an incredibly powerful tool to grow business with, but it also changed the way people perceive everything because people can smell bullshit a mile away on social media. You've you got, think? Oh yeah, you got to be honest because there's so much data coming at them, and if they suspect you're saying something that's not true, they're going to find out it's BS in two seconds. There's always another are, point of reference. Are women better at at social media at selling ideas, concepts, products socially? I don't know if they're better at social media. They're so far for me, they're better at running high risk businesses. Okay. They mitigate risk. And think about women have to manage a family and all the things that they have to do to make that work and run a business at the same time, that's extraordinary. And, and, and I've got lots of cases. I used to be worried, oh, she's got three kids. How can she run it? How can she be a CEO? And I, now I say, good, she's got three kids. She's probably a great CEO. It's interesting you say that. I have three kids. I'm not a CEO, but I, I do have a, a, a job that demands a lot of me. And someone asked me recently, well, how do you do it? I'm like, well, I kind of don't. Everyone gets just a little part of me. Well, that's I the whole idea of running a business. I can't succeed at all of it. You're deciding what your priorities are every morning. You got to get the kids out to school. You got to feed them or whatever it's going to be. And then you have something else you have to do, but you're juggling all this stuff all day long. But I cut corners. You're supposed to, because you're supposed to figure out what matters and what doesn't. The whole idea about running a family is like running a business is some things are important and everything else is noise. And your job, your one job, the one thing you have to do right is to determine what's noise and what isn't. That is the whole secret to success. Would you say there's a difference in um, the number of meetings that are scheduled based on the gender of the CEO? What I'm getting at is I have no time for multiple check-ins and Zoom meetings all day long. Really, yeah. I'm much more productive being a little bit hands-off. But do you notice that women, busy women tend to have that attitude? We're not really. I, I think it goes into the context of what matters and what doesn't. If you have to have a meeting, you'll schedule that. But I don't, I'm like you on that. Tell me again why we have to meet, why, why I can't just call you or text you and yeah. get the answer. Why do we have to burn time? Because it's the most valuable asset you've got. Yeah. And, you know, in, in, in sort of how that idea of, 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 of not being distracted by noise includes don't wasting. Like, why are you sitting in a meeting that's useless in terms of creating any value? Whether it's running Thank your family you. or you just have to learn how to say no. Hold that thought. More momming after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, let's continue the conversation. I was reading your bio, and you said you got your, your business intuition from your mom. Right. How so? Because she was, you know, I'll tell you an amazing story about her. She was always independent her whole life. She was married twice. And when she died, I got a call from the executor of the estate, and he said, you got to come down here. You're the older brother, but your mother died a very wealthy woman. I said, no, 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 no. We're, we're a middle-class family. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah. And... She, and 
And he said, no, 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 you got to come down here. What she had done from, from her early 20s was keep 20% of her paycheck, even when, as a working girl, and put it half into the stock market of dividend-paying stocks and half into telco bonds, telephone bonds. They used to yield 65 to 7%. And she would live off the interest and the dividends from the stocks. She has a very simple rule. No more than 5% of the portfolio in any one stock and no more than 20% in any one sector. Back then, there were only 10 sectors in the S&P. She wasn't a stock analyst. She just wanted diversification. Over the decades she had that portfolio, she became very, very wealthy because she just reinvested it all the time. And I, and I called Shane. I said, you can't believe this. Look at the amount of money in this account. And so we distributed it to other family members after she passed away. But that was the lesson I learned. She was very focused on her own financial independence. She didn't want to rely on a man for anything. And she didn't. She had, you know, a very successful long-term relationship with her second husband, George, who was basically raised me. He's 93 years old now. He's a Swiss citizen. He lives in, in Geneva. And he's still alive. My mother isn't, unfortunately. But... You know, he was the guy, and, and they, they, they were a great partnership. That was a great marriage. It really worked out for them. But my point was, she believed in her own personal independence, and that reflected onto me eventually. And she raised you not knowing about that small little fortune, so you didn't become too she big was for never your riches. About, but she did pay for my education until the last day of oh. college. And she said to me on the last day, the dead bird under the nest never learns how to fly. And I said, what does that mean, Mom? She said, I'm not paying for anything else. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, but you know what? If you look at kids these days saddled with all that student loan debt, whether it's forgiven or not forgiven, I mean, come on. Never going to get forgiven. That's never going to happen. It's so it's just yeah. so hard to recover from that. You're Thank right. you, Mom and Dad, for paying for my school also. Really, you, yeah, no, you it's a great start gift. ahead in life when that's you're given my, that, that opportunity. That's my trust. It only pays from birth to last day of education, and then you get nothing. That's for all the people come after me. I Wait, don't, for your kids? Yeah, because my mother taught me entitlement is a curse. Yeah. If you entitle someone and de-risk their lives, they'll never do anything. They don't have to. Can, so, can I pry a little bit? Sure. So you didn't buy houses for any of your children? <clears throat> Listen, what, what, when, that happened, <laughs> when that happened to me, um, I had a tough couple of years when she did that to me, but then I understood why she did it. And so when I had my first liquidity event, you know, I went across, I was living in Boston. I went, uh, our business was in Cambridge and I went over to Boston and I set up this generational skipping trust. It does not provide kids for anything until, I mean, after education. And so, you know, and I went home that, that night and it, it, the way the trust works is from birth to last day of college, even if you do a PhD, it pays for everything. But after that, you're on your own. And I went home and, and explained that to my kids who were four and six at the time. And said, this is how it's structured. And they just thought that was really funny. <laughs> and decades later, when my son said, Dad, I hear I have a trust. How does it work? Because one of my friends was telling me about his trust. I said, yeah, Trevor, you know, this, this is good for you. Because Mom and I are going out to a movie. It was a Wednesday. We always did that in Boston. And if we get hit by a bus, you don't have to worry because it's going to pay for you to finish high school but it doesn't look like with your grades you're going to get to college. Oh. So he said, well, so what? I said, oh, no, the trust ends at the end of high school for you. Mm -hmm. If you don't get into college, it doesn't pay anything. He went, what? I said, yeah, buddy. The dead bird under the nest never learns how to fly. He said, what the hell does that mean? It me it, it, I said, it means you better figure out how to get into college or this cash is going to run out. And? And I could see the terror in his eyes. 
I mean, he saw the abyss right there, but he still had enough time to buckle down. And today he's a one of the youngest senior engineers at Tesla. He's an electrical engineer. Trevor's at Tesla? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a senior engin- engineer yeah, at Tesla. One of the youngest. Oh, wow. And he really burned a lot of cash to get there. But that was the deal. He could, And now he can fend for himself. He's making a good salary and good for him. Um, you worked at an ice cream shop as a boy? That's right. And how did that go? I got fired on the first day. Oh, I got fired as a waitress once. Yeah. Or I was not put on the schedule. Anymore. I was only employed in my life for only seven hours. The reason I took the job is the girl I was hot for in high school was working at the shoe store across the mall. Like she could see me. Where is that girl now, by the way? I'm still friends with her. Well, can you say her name? I won't. I don't want to embarrass okay, her. But, but you're still friends still with her friends. and your wife knows about this. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we both went our different directions. Okay. <laughs> we both have families. We're very happy. I love you know, that actually. They, you know, that's happens. My high school boyfriend lives very close to me. I ran into him the other day. I dated him all of high school. Um, but I often, I often taking my kid out of a swim class. So that's just not the state you want to be seen in when you're like wet holding a kid. Oh, hi. I haven't seen you in 20 years. I know. But the point is you can't make new old friends. So that's still a ver- very valuable relationship. And so why would you give that up? There's nobody else I know that long. So, you know, but I'm very happy with my family. Love my kids. Love my wife. It's been fantastic. It's been a great ride. Every marriage has its ups and downs. We were actually separated for two years. Mm. But, you know, I, I let celebrity go to my head and, you know, that happens sometimes. But now I realize what's really valuable is family. How do you get celebrity out of your head? I remember doing this podcast with me. Well, you know, I remember in the fourth year of um, Shark Tank when it went just geometric. It just went crazy. And, you know, I I remember the first moment this happened. For three years, nobody knew the show was on. Only a dog and a cat watched it. That was it. It nearly got canceled. One day I was at Logan Airport and... um, uh, my daughter Savannah and my wife Linda were waiting for me. I went to the men's room, and this guy, there's only two of us at the urinals, and he was to my right, and we were doing our business, and he kept looking over at me. And You're like, dude. You know, and, and, and I, I never had this happen before. He said, are you that guy on Shark Tank? And that was the first time ever. Did and he pitch you at the urinal? No, he said to me, you're an asshole. Oh, like I said, you made it. No, I, I said, <laughs> why did you say that? He said, last night on Shark Tank, you, you took 51% of that guy's company. And he was just starting up. And I said, well, wait a second. It's my money. I'll do whatever I want. And we got into this big argument at the can. And I said, look, a lot of deals get done in toilets, but not today. This is my money. I'll do what I want. Now, I didn't know this till Linda told me later. He goes outside. We're you know, about to go through security on the gate to get on the plane. And he says to Linda and Savannah, that asshole Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank's in the can. And she said, I know. <laughs> so that was the beginning of the journey. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, I'm sitting in, in front of the head, the CEO of ABC Television. He says, let me ask you a question. How do you like celebrity now? I said, why do you ask that? I said, answer me honestly. And so by that point, it was getting to be different. You know, it's it's sort of when you're sitting in a restaurant and, and um, you know, people come over. And, I, I, and the thing about celebrity is because you live with them in their, their living rooms every night, they, they know you, mm. but they don't really know you, right? And... But I think it's an honor to be treated that way. And I always say to my kids who are, you know, sometimes get upset about it, it's opened so many doors for me, not just domestically. I, I get invited to different countries and meet governments and all. Like Shark Tank's on in 42 countries. Yes, sometimes things go crazy, but it's, it's nowhere near the, 
offsetting the benefits of, of, of what celebrity is and, and all the things I can do to help younger entrepreneurs today uh, that were like me 20 years ago, you know, whatever it is. So I, I think net net it's okay. And I always say yes to kids who want pictures, not always adults, but I can't believe nine year olds watch Shark Tank. Nine. What, do the, why, why do they? Well, I'll give you an example. San Francisco airport, a couple of years ago, this nine-year-old comes running up to me. I didn't, she looked like she was seven. And she said, you should have done a convertible debenture up 20% last night on Shark Tank. I said, what? How old are you? Even my guys don't know what that is. And she said, well, the convert would have been less to dilute to the company. And her mother caught up to her and I said, what's this? How would she know what a convert is? How old is she? And her mother said, oh, she's nine. And She's a, f- a physics phenom. She's doing college physics, and she's nine years old. Amazing. So she looked it up. She saw it mentioned, and she just figured it out over, you know, I saw her Saturday morning. She watched it Friday night. So that, and I said, what's she doing watching Shark Tank? Oh, she looks at all the deals from a valuation perspective. I said, at she's nine. Not, nine years old. Have, did you keep in touch with her or have any idea I, where I she is I thought the right show now? should do something with her. With her, yeah. But we, that's too young. I mean, you, you got to be at least in your teens. So, I mean, what an incredible, I mean, there are, there are gifted children like that. I was just afraid you were going to say the answer was, well, they just want to, you know, all of a sudden so easily come up with this great idea and then cash in and just enjoy the rest of their life without working. It's never that easy. I mean, the journey to success is brutal. I know. Um, well, know, I don't know actually, but well, I hear. No, it, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. And it really takes decades and it's very hard work and it's, a, you know, you don't have life balance um, I remember this class years ago, I teach a lot now, and a lot of these are evening classes, sort of six to nine at night cohorts. They bring in the whole, often it's engineers. I teach graduating cohorts of engineers, so they'll put electrical, mechanical, chemical all together, 600 people, and we'll do a three-hour session. QA, teach a course or a class or a case. I remember this guy up in the top, and he... he um, he didn't ask any questions all night and it's like 10 to nine. We're about to end the class. He finally puts up his hand and he says, can I ask you a question, please? It's not about the case, but I'm really, I'm troubled today. I said, what's the problem? He said, my fiance came up to me today and said, you've got to make a choice between me and your business. Mm. And I said, what's the business? He said, well, I'm glad. That's actually a very good question that only you would ask. Well, I, I, I said, well, we have to understand, because now the class, as you could hear, a pin drop. Yeah. This is a new topic, right? What's and, the business? And so I said, you're, you're not graduated yet. Like, what are we talking about here? He said, well, I've been, I've been providing this software for hedge funds that I wrote with a, s- a small team of engineers. Um, and and um, I have a subscription service. I'm making $5 million a year, and I haven't graduated yet. But it takes up all my free time. I have to, I'm trying to graduate. I'm in class all day and then at night I work all night. On weekends I work on the business. There's no time for soccer games or picnics with my fiance. And I said, you're making $5 million a year and you're not even out of school yet? Let's ask ourselves a pragmatic question here. And this is about marriage, about family, about, and this is, this is the question. Which is easier to replace, the business or your fiance? Because that's the question you're asking me. Clearly, they were not meant for each other. She did not understand his journey. Who would give up 
a person like that that could be such a great provider for a family one day. She didn't understand the journey. Now, the class went chaos, into chaos because it was half women, half men. It should be that way. You know, engineering classes are now 50-50. There's a lot of smart women out there. And that's the debate we had for the next half hour. The journey of marriage is about understanding that you're creating a business. That's what a family yeah. is. At the table, the first child's money. You have to have it. If you're going to grow a family, you've got to have a responsible way of providing for it. If you don't understand that, you have the wrong partner. And the reasons marriage fail after 50% after seven years has nothing to do with infidelity. I wrote a book about this. I researched Boredom? Nope. It's financial stress. The reason that people... There, Sorry. it's your lawyer calling now. That's my producer, actually. Hi, Jim. I'll call you back. <laughs> <laughs> the, the point is, the reasons marriage fail have nothing to do with infidelity. Most marriages can survive infidelity. They can't survive financial stress. Yeah. One outspends the other. It doesn't have to be the woman. It could be the man. But you've got to understand when you're diligencing your, your significant other. It goes for gay couples as well. How are you going to work together on that, that child called money? How, is, how are you going to raise that child? Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? Because you've got to have them or her. You've got to have, you have to have to have money. It's the pillar of the family. It's the foundation of the family. Families that solve for that are very successful. Marriages that solve for that are incredibly successful. Families that don't solve for that, men and women that don't understand each other's long-term economic goals, they fail. What about financial infidelity? You know, having a secret account or not telling the significant other about all the purchases. Well, that's what my mother did, but she was a saver. Yeah. And she provided for all of her siblings and her children. She was she would take care of her brother when he was in trouble or her her sister. She was the financial bedrock. She was the matriarch of the entire family. Now, I give her tremendous credit for that, and so does the rest of the family. She figured it out, and she, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a combination of a Lebanese and Irish immigrant. That's the combination. And she was a pragmatic Lebanese woman. She really understood it. Back to the student, engineer, $5 million a year business fiance, what did he decide to do? My understanding is he chose wisely. They broke up, they broke up and he found someone else that understood his journey. And, and from what I hear, they're, they're wildly happy. Um, he's very, very successful. You know, I'm not Dr. Phil, but I felt I gave some great <laughs> advice that night. I, think I love that it. It's the right pragmatic decision. That marriage was going to fail. Yeah. It was going to fail. But rather not get married. She's making demands on your time, doesn't understand your journey. You're working your ass off. Yeah. Like you're, you're, I agree with you. It's crazy. I agree with you. But it only gets harder. If, if in the beginning someone's saying something like that, wait till you have real problems. Yeah. She, you know, she didn't understand. You have two red watches, one on each wrist. Yep. I've been trying to figure this out. So this is a... Uh, Beautiful watch. F.P. Journ Blue, which is a... I'm a watch collector. This is a very rare, rare, rare watch. It's beautiful. Uh, I love it for what it is. It's simple. It's elegant. It's made of tantalum with a blue, black dial, white, um, you know, hands. It's just stunning. But it can't give me the electronics I get out of an Apple Watch. I only use the Apple Watch on my right hand here uh, to count steps. Oh. And I don't use either of them for telling time. I use my cell phone, which I just tap. 
Got know it. exactly what time it is. But I, I support watchmakers. I'm a huge watch collector. I have many, many timepieces. Have you done a series on a show? or? Anything? I haven't yet, but I get asked about it all the time. Recently, Adam RPK AP made me a one-of-a-kind uh, special watch for season 15 on Shark Tank. It's an open works. It's a stunning piece. The watch world has seen it in social media. They've gone crazy over it. I can't wear it out anywhere. I can't get it insured, except mm. it's so valuable now that I can only wear it on the set of Shark Tank, which I will. Now I'm going to pay attention for it. What did I pay for? No, I'm going to pay attention to your wrist, oh, your I left see. wrist right, right. on well, the, the set the, of Shark watch, Tank. My watch collection has actually um, appreciated more than the stock market. Oh, maybe I do want to. I, I wanted to be polite and not ask the prices of watches, but they're expensive. <laughs> but the only reason I continue to work is to buy more watches. See, perfect, Kevin O'Leary. Thank you for the time. Thank you so much. Listen ad free with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen ad free on the Amazon Music app or just hit the follow button on your favorite podcast player. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one of a kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.